Chapter 2 The Devil at the Dinner Party Quote, He who is not every day conquering some fear has not learned the secret of life. Unquote. Ralph Waldo Emerson In the last chapter I briefly mentioned a dinner party. I gloss over it, but it pains me to no end to talk about it. You know how the doctor says, Now this won't hurt a bit. Yeah, I'm not saying that. This is going to hurt. A lot. You know, when they then say, this is going to hurt me a lot more than it's going to hurt you? This one is valid. This is going to hurt me to write. You might want to get a coffee or something stronger. Here is what I wish with all of my heart had happened at one of those dinner parties many, many years ago. If you don't go to dinner parties, you can also just imagine this when you're home alone and dreaming of a life you're not yet living. I wish that someone came up to me, maybe at a point when I was really on a roll, spilling out all of the glorious fantasies of my life that I was not really yet living. I might have been laughing at the ease of the life I secretly didn't have, but I sure knew how to tell it like it was or at least like it might be. I can even see myself raising my glass in a toast to the victories I had not yet won in battles I wasn't even on the battlefield for. But they were all so deliciously marvelous in the ballroom of my imagination. But then that someone came up to me and gave me a smile and a little nod. He was tall and thick and strong. His smile faded. It was clear that it was a phony smile, like a secret service agent or a captain in the mafia. He had another agenda. I was immediately scared that something was amiss. Quietly, he took me by the arm, and not exactly gently. I joked to the other guests that I'd be right back. He practically lifted half of my body as he pushed me to a dark and empty corner of the dinner party. He got up into my face. I could smell the alcohol in his breath. Or was that on my breath? I still didn't know what he wanted, so I smiled and chuckled and said, Didn't you get enough of the celery with the spinach dip, my friend? I was going to quash this threat by avoiding what he was really after, by making light of the situation, by charming his reality with my fantasies. He said nothing about the spinach dip but he came even closer to my face so that I could feel the heat from his perspiring brow. He was now definitely no longer smiling. How much longer are you going to do it? He asked in what seemed like a South African accent. But he didn't wait for an answer. His voice came from another place, like it was surround sound. When will the day come when the angel on your shoulder walks across your neck to the devil on the other and they make a deal to release your true self that they have locked up deep within the dungeon of your soul? His eyes didn't blink. He held my arm and I was pinned to the wall. I had a quick thought that this guy had watched way too many gangster movies. I pretended not to be scared. I wasn't doing a good job. He kept going. 
Or are they going to live separately forever and make you suffer every single day of your life by never coming to a decision to take action, real action, not dinner party fake chit-chat action, but a single, real, true step towards all of this fluff and dreamy, phony future that you rattle on about? that you only talk about but don't experience, that you're so good at imagining and describing about how it all will be, but you know nothing of how it actually is. He stopped for a minute. The words slithered through my brain like snakes, but snakes with razor blades for scales. The pain in my head was excruciating. I tried to speak, but I had no words. I had no answer. I honestly didn't know what to say to him. What I was supposed to do. I only knew the dream. I didn't know the reality. But you don't understand, I said between clenched teeth. If he wanted the truth, fine, I would give it to him. But I was sure, even the tough guy he thought he was, that he couldn't handle it. Do tell, dear sir. He mocked in his uppity accent. Tell me what I don't understand, for I know you better than you know yourself. He waited for me to speak, but I was speechless. I was petrified. I wanted more than anything in the world just to go back to the spinach dip. You have something inside of you that will eat your insides. You need to set it free. You know what it is, I know what it is, but no one else knows what it is. If you don't let it out, it will fester and infect and spread. He paused. I waited patiently for more torture. But I'm going to make it easy on you. I'm going to make it extremely clear. Here's what's going to happen. He paused as if he thought I might tremble and be even more scared than I already was. It worked magnificently. I trembled in my shoes. What's going to happen is that every single night I'm going to come for you. I know where you live. I know where you hang out. I know your every move. I am your nightmare and your devil. I will pin you against walls whenever I feel like it. I will come after you when you think you are safe. Maybe you're on that deck of yours sipping tea alone, like you did last night. And I'll whisper in your ear, I'll be relentless. I will be at your side, on your back, in the shadows of your every waking moment, threatening you, daring you, challenging you, reminding you that you are living a falsehood, a hoax, a dream. Now he was really annoying. The hatred ballooned from my gut, and words came out of my mouth. But you don't understand, I screamed at him. Tears formed in my eyes and my throat was scratchy like after you vomited multiple times. Enlighten me, he whispered in a sweet-sounding voice, but with a look that could also gouge my eyes out with the next beat of his heart. But I couldn't say it. I couldn't admit it. I had never said it out loud, not even in my own head. And now I was supposed to tell my deepest, darkest, most real thing I knew in the world to this ruffian of a devil in disguise. No, I said. Tell me, he screamed, but in a whisper. If he had a knife, it would have been at my throat. I can't, I shouted louder. You can, he spoke more quietly. 
The tears rolled down my cheeks. I had no more defenses. I was running on empty. I had nothing left but the truth, and it was the last thing I could hold on to, and if I let go of that, I would fall to the depths of hell. I'm scared, I said as quietly as I could. Oh, oh pardon me, fine gentleman, he said in the snarkiest, meanest tone that even the finest actor couldn't have replicated. What was that? Through tears and bile-tasting phlegm I spat out the words, I'm scared. Scared of what? he asked, almost sounding human and caring. I'm scared that this is my one and only dream, and that if I start and I fail, I will have nothing left. Nothing left. Nothing left. I cried through my words as I screamed with a voice I didn't know I had. He said nothing, and his gruesome stare became kinder, gentler. Through my tears I could see his mood lift, and he spoke. Well, that's the silliest thing I've ever heard, he said, and as the words sank into my brain, I realized that it was the last thing I would have expected anyone to say. I wanted to strangle him. I envisioned his eyes popping out as my hands wrapped around his neck, but I couldn't move. He started laughing. I could hardly murder a guy who was laughing. What are you laughing at? I asked as I wiped snot on my sleeve, exactly as my youngest son does. Why, you, of course, my good man, he said in a way too happy tone. Don't you see the paradox? Don't you comprehend the ridiculousness of it all? No, I said dryly. I'm afraid I have yet to experience the humor in all of this. You have everything you need to make this happen. Don't you see it, my brother? He looked at me for a response, but I had none. He kept on. To turn your colossal mountain range of a dream into a single step on the path. A single step? One foot in front of the other, he said, and he backed up and off of me, for he had been all of this time practically on top of me. Let me show you. He stood with his feet exaggeratedly close to each other. Ready? he asked. Uh, yeah, I answered. Watch. He lifted his right foot and moved it forward to just a foot's length ahead. See? Done. Now you try. I put my feet together with my heels touching the wall he had, had pinned me against. I brought my right foot up and forward and placed it on the ground, but carefully as if the floor were eggshells and I didn't want to break them. Was there a Herculean effort there? Did a mountain move? Did you need to part a few seas? Uh, no, I replied timidly. Lighten up, man, he said and slapped me on the shoulder as if we were old college buddies. It's all a game, don't you see it now? He stared into me, through me. Uh, no, I answered, maybe too honestly. You'll get to play later, but there are a few steps to go through first but you have now taken the first step. Excellent progress, my good chap. So are we done here? I asked, feeling more and more comfortable. Not quite, he said, not completely unlike the executioner who hadn't quite yet dropped the guillotine on the guilty man. We need a schedule, he said matter-of-factly. A schedule? 
Exactly. Like how often I need to take that little step? You're a brilliant student, my brother. Want to take a wild guess as to how often? Every other day plus weekends? Is what came out of my mouth instantly. Almost. He whispered like the school teacher who knew your answer was completely wrong. He winked, which completely threw me off. People who wink freak me out. Every other day? I asked, hoping this would work as every other day would also mean a day off in between. Just about there, he said, looking at his fingernail. I knew the answer, but I didn't like it. All out of ideas? he asked. No, no, I delayed. I got it. Any time is good. Every single day, I answered. Most excellent. He again clasped me on the shoulder. That's exactly right. He looked at his wrist to check the time, but there was no watch on his wrist. I must be moving on, he said. Quite the roster this evening, you know. Uh-huh, I said as my brilliant conversational skills kicked into high gear. He didn't ask me if I was okay or ready or say anything else. He just looked at me. So, I stuttered. Yes? He drew it out nice and slow and painful. That stuff about you lurking in the shadows and pretty much torturing me the rest of my life if I don't take a tiny little step every single day? I paused to make sure he knew what I was talking about. He did. So that stuff was all for show, right? I mean, you won't, well, you can't really do that, right? I mean, you don't, don't you have other people to torture every night? That won't really happen, right? I hoped. I prayed even. I clenched my teeth in hopes that he would free me from the persecution that was to haunt me every single day for the rest of my life. He said nothing. He only gave me a knowing smile. Then he did something I'll never forget, but can't stand, and wish I could unsee it. He winked. <laughs>